we are rapidly approaching Easter, and uh, with that, we, we just wanted to take time, uh, first of all, as we approach Easter, to focus in on Jesus' devotion to us, that, of how deeply Jesus loves us, but also our devotion to him. And we're looking at in this short little series as we head up to Easter, uh, just refocusing on on who we want to be and and the church that Jesus calls us to be. And we started last week, we were talking a little bit about some of the goals that we have set for this year of, of living out Acts 1-8, of being his witnesses in our Jerusalems and Judeas and Samarias and the ends of the earth, uh, about finding fellowship uh, as we come out of the COVID season, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, that we are able to find fellowship and becoming more like the church that you see in Acts 2.42 and, and in Acts. Last week, we talked about this idea that all of the believers, all of them were devoted, that the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, that Peter preaches to the crowd, the crowd puts their faith in Jesus, and then in Acts 2.42, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, that they were devoted, that they were continually devoted. As you look at the translation, that they continually devoted themselves to it, that they existed as a body, that they existed as a family, that they existed as a community for these things, that they existed for the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching, what they were teaching was Jesus' teaching plus how to live and how to be disciples of that teaching and then also the Old Testament uh, and how Jesus connected to all the points in the Old Testament that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so basically what the apostles were teaching are what we know as the Bible. So they devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to prayer. They existed for prayer, spending time with God, praising him, recognizing who he was, asking for the things they needed, asking for guidance, asking for forgiveness, asking for strength to overcome evil. And they continually devoted themselves for the fellowship. And we've talked about that word before, that the word fellowship comes from a Greek word, koinonia. And koinonia is, is translated as fellowship, but it means partnership participation, contribution, that all of these people, that all of the church was contributing something. All of the church was partnering together, participating in this thing together, that it was all of them. They all played a part. They all gave of themselves. They all partnered together for the sake of one another. And you see it played out then in the following verses, in verses 43 to 47 at the end of Acts chapter two, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That they all devoted themselves, and again, we talked about that last week, that they existed for, that they, it was a continuous thing, this fellowship. That they existed and they, and to, they existed to partner and participate and contribute. That that's what church was for them, that they were all doing these things together. Does that describe how you approach church to partner and participate and contribute? Does that describe you and your family's approach to Antioch? Last week, we talked about for the early church that it was all of them, that it was all this hands, all hands on deck approach. It wasn't just a few people doing things. It was everyone doing something. The Holy Spirit came everyone and filled everyone that were, was a believer in Jesus. They, the, the Holy Spirit gave them all gifts. They were all putting their gifts to work and they were doing all of this all together. And church wasn't just something else you did during your week. It wasn't like a thing that you added to your list, like, oh, well, on Mondays I go to practice and on Tuesdays, you know, I go to this and on Wednesdays I have that night off or I go to Kids Zone. And, and church wasn't just another thing on their list that church was part of your, church was your identity. It wasn't a building that you went to, it was your identity. It, was, it became your culture and, and everything that wrapped up who you were. It was your existence. It, and remember, you're talking about people that uh, largely, at least in the beginning, came out of the Jewish culture. And if you think about Jewish culture, when, when you're a Jew, that completely dictates how you live your life. It, it dictates what you do every day. It dictates what you eat. It dictates who you marry. It dictates how you dress. Uh, to be a Jew, especially in that time, was completely about how you existed as a person. And so Christianity was the same way, that this fellowship was all of them together doing this, but it was, wasn't just a part of their week, it was who they were all week. It, it goes back to what I said last week, that, that when it comes to gifts and talents, when it give, comes to the Holy Spirit being put to work and being the hands and feet of Christ, it's not my job as your pastor to do those things more than you, it's not my job as, as the pastor to pray more than you and read your, my Bible more than you and, and try to make connections with each other and other people in the congregation more than you. And my job isn't to have more gifts and more talents or, or, or to use them better than you. My job as, as your pastor is to get you to do those things. Be, because what we've been called to as a church is for all of us to do that, for all of us to participate in existence in the word and prayer and fellowship. Because the church works best when the church works together. And you see the things in Acts 2.42 through 47 play out all through the New Testament. 
as the church, and, and, it is, and it's not just a single, singular thing. It's not just the church in Ephesus and the church in Jerusalem and the church in Corinth. It, they all were the church together, working together. The church were, and it, the word church works best when it works together. Same thing in Logan, Ohio, that all the churches that we make up the church. It's not just Antioch. That the church works best when the church works together. Romans 15, 25 and 26. He says, but before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. The church working together. Acts 12, 5. That while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. You see, the church coming together to pray. That They devoted themselves to these things. One of them was prayer, and the church was praying for Peter, and they prayed so earnestly for him as a group that God miraculously set him free from prison. When the church prays together, it releases all kinds of things. Read Acts 2.42 through the lens of them doing it together and thinking through it that way. I'm better at being in the Bible if I have somebody to talk to about it and somebody that's gonna keep me accountable and say, hey, were you in your word? I get more from the Bible when I can have a conversation about it. I can, I mean, I can read my Bible and maybe I think, oh, this means this and this means that. But unless I have somebody to, to talk to about it, unless I have somebody to bounce some ideas off of, unless I have another believer who knows the word as well as I do, or maybe a little bit better than me, who can say, yeah, you think that, but you're wrong, you know, that, that it helps me understand the word better. We're going to get into that next week. That, that when the, the church prays together, again, it, it opens things up. And, you know, by the way, we have connect groups in our church for that very reason. That, that you don't have to be in the word by yourself. You don't have to pray by yourself. And actually, we've talked about we've we've talked about the idea of you know some of you you're watching online and you're not quite ready to get back to church. You know maybe maybe we do an online connect group over Zoom or something. So if you're watching today and you're you're interested in something like that, so that you can keep in that connection and you know put it in the comment section. We'll, we'll maybe try to make that happen for you. But the church is better when we work together. Secondly, the church is, is better and it works best when the people in that church are and feel safe. Look, look at how Jesus led the disciples. In Mark 6 and 7, he's getting ready to send them out. And it says, calling the 12 to him, or after he called the 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two. 
giving them authority to cast out spirits. He sent them out together. He sent them out in groups. In Luke 10, verse 1, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to the towns and places he planned to visit. Why? Because there's safety in numbers. And I'm not talking just physical safety. I'm talking emotional safety and, and spiritual safety. And, and sometimes those things are just as important, if not more so important. This week, in my devotional time, I was reading through Second uh, Corinthians, and I was struck by how often Paul said, we. Look at Second Corinthians 7, 5, and 6. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforts us by the coming of Titus. So you see a couple things at play there. One, they were comforted by another believer coming while they were going through hardship. But you also see that they together were going through hardship. And the hard truth of Christianity is Christianity is hard. That being a believer in Jesus and trying to follow him you'll get beat up emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's, it's a hard life to follow Jesus, which is why the, there's a, a narrow gate, a narrow road, and, and not many people take it because to truly follow Christ is not easy. And the more you try to follow Jesus, the more you're a target that the enemy wants to take out. But how many of you know that it's a whole lot better when you're going through a hard time to have someone walk through it with you? How many of you know the, the value of knowing that somebody's got your back? Having that support system, it, it can literally be the difference between life and death. I've done, I've done funerals for people that would probably been okay, but, but they got isolated. They didn't have somebody that had their back. They didn't have that support system. Think about, think about all, all of COVID and, and so many people really struggled in places like nursing homes, people at places like hospitals. Why? Because there wasn't their normal support system of family and friends that they could interact with and it, and it messes people up. And when you're going through this Christian life with the target on your back from the enemy, to go through it by yourself and not have a support system and not have somebody that has your back, it's hard. I can think of times in my life that I was at my, at my lowest. Sometimes, a lot of those times, it was because I, I was 
I got myself alone. I got myself isolated. I, I got in my head and I got isolated. And, it, and that's when, that's when I, I struggled the most. I can think of a time years ago when I was in a pretty low place. I was really struggling. I was just in a really dark place. And it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like I wanted to kill myself, but I also was kind of wondering what gunmetal would taste like in my mouth, you know? And had God not intervened, on my behalf and, and, and put another Christian in my path at just the right time to give me a little bit of encouragement, I, I wouldn't meet your pastor today. I just needed to know that I wasn't alone. I just needed to know that, that somebody had my back. Just having a friend show up made all the difference. One of the biggest schemes the enemy uses is to get you isolated, to get you alone with your thoughts and your imagination. Satan will speak a lie into your head and into your heart, and then he'll just leave you alone and let your flesh and your mind and your imagination just run with it. One thing, uh, you know, there's different of you guys here from out of the boat. One of the things we constantly are telling people, don't get isolated. We have different guys down out of the boat. They're going through dark stuff right now, hard stuff right now. And then the thing that we, you know, we're always saying, don't get isolated. Because you get isolated, oh, I mean, the enemy will take you down fast. And then you get isolated and your mind starts going and you start imagining things that aren't completely real. And that only leads to more isolation. And then the next thing you know, you're far away from God and you're far away from other believers. Don't get isolated. And man, that's a thing that we as Christians have to get better at. You have to get better at one, not letting ourselves become isolated, even though sometimes you feel that pull, but also to, to make sure that other Christian brothers and sisters around us, they don't get isolated, to be watching for that and, and not let that happen. You know, so often, uh, you know, sometimes we're, sometimes we're bad at this. That that's, that stuff will happen. You know, that and and we kind of cut them off. See, there's this great safety in we. Another place, Second Corinthians six four and five, he says, "In everything we do, we show that we're true ministers of God." He said, "We." patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every time. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless night, and gone without food. 
All of those things will wreck you. All of those things are, are completely miserable things. But if somebody is with you through those things, it's bearable. If somebody is with you through those things, if you are able to go through those things and say, we went through this, it's survivable. And I think that's why Jesus sent them two by two. Because Jesus knew, and they knew, that they couldn't survive following Jesus alone. Some of you in the room, some of you online, you may have right now be isolated. You need to change that. It's hurting you. It's hurting your walk with God. And here's how I know that. Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places, that we are at war, that there is a spiritual war against us. And he said, we fight it. If you go into war, if you go into battle by yourself, there's a reason that the army, the navy, and the marines, they don't send people in to battle by themselves. There are reasons that in real life, die hard doesn't work. Because there is safety in we. Don't try to fight the devil alone because you will most likely lose. The devil will get in your head, he will whisper a lie, and, and then you just take over from there. One of the things I pray, I pray it every Sunday, I pray it most every day, is that, is that first of all, that, that God would bind the enemy in my, in my heart and my mind, that I, there would be no... No lies, no, no deceptions, nothing that would speak into my heart that I would, that I would listen to. But the other thing that I'd do is I pray that God would bind my own flesh, that, that God would just silence my own craziness in here. That my, you know, sometimes it's, it's Satan, but sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's my own imagination and my own crazy thinking that it's, that's bad. So I pray, Lord, keep, make sure the devil shuts up, but make sure I shut up and just fill me with your spirit and let that be the thing that I listen to today. Some of you, maybe, and maybe it was COVID, maybe it was, you got in the routine of being isolated. 
Maybe it's your current circumstance. Maybe it was a conscious decision to be isolated. You just didn't want to be around people anymore. Maybe, maybe it was a slow fade to alone. How you got there, I don't know, but I do know this, that you can't walk the Christian road alone. Last week, we said that Christianity isn't a spectator sport. Well, Christianity isn't a singles match either. You've got to at least play doubles. Or, or better yet, be on a team. Be on a, a small team of people. Uh, and I, I've said it before, you can't come in on, to church on Sunday morning and say, okay, well, I got my team around me, and then walk out into your week. That, that, this isn't a team. This is a bunch of people listening. And thank you, by the way. I appreciate it. But... But you need a team of people that will go through your week with you. That will be your team of people that are continually devoted to you. We can't all continually be devoted to everybody here. But you can be continually devoted to some of the people here. And then we can all come in on Sunday, praise, worship, get encouraged, dig into the word, be challenged a little bit, and then go back out in our team and, and work through it together. But you got to at least play doubles. There, you can't play the singles match. Because I, I can guarantee you that the devil's not going to play fair. If you show up to the, the Christian life in a singles match, the devil is not going to go, oh, well, he's by himself, so we'll just send one lie. He'll send 10,000 lies. I don't like the fact that the devil doesn't play fair, but that's kind of why he's the devil. You got to get together somehow. Because the church is stronger when the church is together. So how are you going to be with other believers in a regular kind of way? You need a plan. Hopefully you have one. What is your plan for being continually devoted to the fellowship with other believers? What is your plan to gather some other believers around you for the purpose of not being alone, to have people to encourage you, to have people to challenge you? Who, who are they gonna be the people that you study your Bible with? Who, are, who is going to be the people that you're going to pray with? Who are the people that you're going to be calling and texting and emailing and Facebooking and whatever elseing? to check in on and to go visit with. You gotta have some kind of a plan. You gotta get that group around you. If you don't have one, like I said, we've got connect groups here. 
you can join. It's, just let me know. If you need to be a part of a group, if you're a teenager, get, get in youth group or Sunday school class before, before second service, the youth Sunday school class. Uh, get, get in, if you're, if you're a dude, get in out of the boat. Get in out of the boat. But you gotta, you gotta get in to get out. And that, that, that's a good shirt. You gotta get in to get out. Um, it, you know, if you're a lady, get, get into grace and grit. Or, or, you know what? You don't even have to get, just pull some other Christians around you that, that you love and, and make your own Bible study group. If you, need, if you need some book ideas of stuff you can do, if you need some curriculum or something, come ask me. I'd love to help you out, figure that out. Get some people, but don't go through it alone because the church is stronger when we're together. We're, church, we're stronger when the fellowship is really happening, when the people are partnering, when people are participating, when you and I are contributing that's fellowship. Jesus said in John 17, 23, I in them and you I am in them and you are in me. He's saying this, he's praying to the Father. He said, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. There is only one love and one unity that points people to Jesus. And that's the fellowship. Jesus said, for where two or three gather as, together as my followers, I am there among them. There is only one group that together brings the presence of God. And that's the fellowship of believers. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There is only one fellowship that's going to keep you sharp, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. That is the fellowship of believers. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. When we are his church, his church, strong together, safe together, working together, not even hell can beat us. When, when we're doing that together, when we are his church, when we are the church that he has called us to be and that we see being played out in scripture, the devil doesn't win. When we are his church, that's when we're stronger. That's when we're better. That's when we're safer. That's when we're together. All hands on deck, devoting our lives to each other. This is who we'll be. This is what we must strive for. And at times we're gonna fail. At times we're gonna fall short. At times we're gonna blow it. But this has to be our goal. This has to be our prayer. Because this is our calling. May we be his church. Let's pray.